Welcome to the Eric Erickson Show podcast, Hour 2. Hello, America. It is Eric Erickson here. The second hour of the show, the phone number is 877-973-7425. Should you wish to be on the program, I want to spend some time now talking about Ron DeSantis and the future of the GOP. His win in Florida last night was staggering. One of the interesting things about last night that was not really talked about so much is this from Dana Bash on CNN. The numbers in these exits do not line up with what we were seeing in the polling data going into this election about what people cared about and the order in which they ranked it. So we have had a lot of questions throughout this time about new voters, people that hadn't been in there before that were perhaps not getting captured by the polling. So maybe this is a sign that we're going to see a little bit more of that tonight than we expected. We obviously don't know yet. And you know what's missing from this one, two, three, four, five, top five issues? Democracy. Oh, yeah. It's not even in here. It's not to say that it's not an issue for people, but it doesn't even come close. Not the issue. No, of course it's not. Never was going to be. You know, if you listen to this program, I say all the time people are stupid, and they are. But you shouldn't underestimate the voters. The voters have a way of voting for their self-interest and combined do what they think is right for them and their families, and you can't fault them for that. And a lot of voters around the country decided not to go with the GOP, even though they were very sympathetic on the issues because they actually knew what they were getting with Democrats and were very concerned about who the Republicans actually were. Were they election-denying Republicans or were they just normal generic Republicans? Normal generic Republican won on the generic ballot and in the ballot box. When you had generic Republican candidate, generic Republican candidate did pretty good last night. The Trump Republican candidate did pretty bad. There is some breaking news happening right now. Before I get into DeSantis, I need to tell you about uh, as as not good a night as it was for the GOP. They have now swept Long Island. Uh, the House of Representatives will go to the Republican Party. They have now beaten every congressional Democrat on Long Island. Uh, they haven't done that since the 90s. That's a pretty big deal here. Uh, they also beat Sean Patrick Maloney, the chairman of the Democratic Congressional Campaign Committee. So there you have it now. Let's talk about DeSantis before I take your phone calls. To do this, I want to go back in time to a time you may not remember. There used to be a very big Democratic state. Um, it was the dominant Democratic state, but at the federal level, it had started voting Republican in the 80s. It had 32 at the time, 32 electoral college votes. That state was Texas. Texas had turned red at the federal level while, for example, in 1998, um, Florida was still pretty blue. And in 1990, a guy named Rick Perry, dear friend of mine, had become a Republican. He'd been a Democrat. He became a Republican, and he ran as the commissioner of agriculture for Texas against a man named Jim Hightower, who was under investigation by the federal, uh, by the FBI for bribery and corruption. And Perry won. 
It was a very lonely place to be because there really weren't any statewide Republicans in office. And after winning in 1990, using a guy named Karl Rove as his strategist, in 1994, George W. Bush hired Karl Rove from Perry and ran for governor of Texas. And no one thought the former drunk son of George H.W. Bush could pull it off. And he did. George W. Bush beat Ann Richards, an iconic Democratic Texas politician. And four years later, in 1998, he did it again. And by 1998, Bush and Perry were able to sweep Republicans into office in Texas statewide. They went from Perry being the only statewide Republican in 1990 to all of them being statewide Republicans in 1998. Perry in 98 left the Ag Commissioner's spot, ran for lieutenant governor, and you had the Bush-Perry ticket. In 1998, it was a very bad year for Republicans. It was very, very much like what we saw last night. The Republicans were in charge in 1998 in the House of Representatives. They had impeached Bill Clinton. Newt Gingrich was Speaker of the House. It was a midterm with an economy not doing great. It should have been a good night for the GOP nationally at the congressional level. Instead, Democrats gained five seats. The Republicans netted no seats at all in the United States Senate. And within a week, the party was purging Newt Gingrich from power. And all eyes turned to Texas, a state with 32 electoral college votes that had been a blue state, had become a purple state, and was now a dominantly red state in 2000. The Texas Republicans had taken control of the state legislature and they redrew the districts in Texas and took a majority Democratic congressional delegation and turned it into a majority Republican congressional delegation. They swept. And George Bush was the guy who masterminded it or was at least given the credit, he and Karl Rove. And big donors and mid-sized Republican donors looked at Texas and said, you know what? Maybe we should go with this guy. If he won, he's got 32 electoral college votes. If he wins, not a bad thing. And so they did. Now Texas has 40 electoral college votes. Fast forward to 2022. Texas has 40. It's going to go Republican. Well, there's another state that has been a swing state for a very long time. It has 30 electoral college votes. If you win Texas and you win Florida, you only need 200 more. It it provides a firewall for the GOP to win nationally. That state is Florida. And like in 1998, the Republicans nationally are having a bad, had a bad night. It wasn't an awful night. They're going to win control of the House, just not going to be a lot. They may still get the Senate, but only by a vote. But in Florida, they absolutely crushed it. 
There is no politician more dominant in the Republican Party now than Ron DeSantis, a man who took a very purple swing state that has gone back and forth in presidential elections, and he has now locked it in as a Republican state. 55% of the Hispanic vote in Florida went to Ron DeSantis. Ron DeSantis won not just Miami-Dade County. He won Palm Beach County, something that is unheard of for Republicans to do in Florida. He won, crushed it in the state of Florida, absolutely dominated the state of Florida. In the blue counties that Charlie Crist was able to win, Charlie Crist did not do a very good job of winning those blue counties. In Florida, for example, DeSantis flipped Duval County. Those of you WOKV, you flipped to the Republicans. In Orange County, that's Orlando, used to be where Republicans live and Democrats visited. Now it's where Republicans visit and Democrats live. Charlie Crist won Orange County. That's Orlando. But he barely won it. So let me bring bring in the updated numbers just to be sure because that has flipped to some degree. It's an interesting shift for all parties involved. Yep, Orlando, 53-46, but barely. Alachua County, where Gainesville is, Chris got 57% in the college town of the University of Florida. He won Gadsden County in Leon County in Florida in the Panhandle, the Tallahassee area, and that's it. He won Brevard County in South Florida. One, two, three, four, five counties. That's it. That's all Charlie Crist could win, and he barely won any of them. Ron DeSantis, meanwhile, he won Miami-Dade. He won Palm Beach County. He won Martin County. He won St. Lucie County. He won Duval County. He won Hillsborough County. Pinellas County. They came in strong for DeSantis. He won in areas where Republicans win, but he won bigger than Republicans. And he won in areas where Republicans don't win, and he won big. If the Republicans are looking to the future, they need to look to the past. They need to look to 1998. They need to look what happened when a guy in Texas turned that state and turned it into a 30 electoral college vote powerhouse. And then consider the future. There is now a state in 2024 that will have 30 electoral college votes. That state has been a swingy purple state. And that guy, Ron DeSantis, in 2024, or in 2022, did what George W. Bush did in 1998 when the Republicans had a bad night nationally, gave them hope for the future. DeSantis can give the Republicans hope for the future. I am not, when I say this, Team DeSantis. Several friends of mine are going to run for president. I do not have a dog in the fight. I will vote for the party nominee. But I think the Republicans need to take their history seriously. They need to understand what's at stake. There is a candidate who can unite the wings of the Republican Party. 
There is also a candidate who can further alienate the party from independent voters. And that candidate covets the presidency relentlessly because he had it once in the past and he wants it back. And the voters are going to vote. But between now and then, the donors are going to donate. And who the donors donate to is going to matter greatly. And the donors, small, medium, and large, can shape the future of the race and of the GOP. And they should look at 2022, where in every swing race, where Ron DeSantis weighed in, that candidate tended to do well. And in every swing race where Donald Trump weighed in with a different candidate, that candidate tended to do poorly. And all the candidates who stood up to Trump and were their own man, as opposed to Trump's acolytes, swept nationwide, including Ron DeSantis, a man who, just two days before the election, Donald Trump attacked from a campaign stage in Ohio. And the candidate Donald Trump was with that night won't even thank him from the stage now. I think there's a path forward, hopefully, for the GOP. But they've got to be willing to understand you got to go to the future. And you don't go to the future by going to the past. You can study the past, study 1998. But you don't need to go to the past when you've got a deep bench and a bright future ahead of you if only you're willing to let yourself go of your past candidates. Let's pause and just talk about what's going on in the country for a moment. We got sky-high inflation. We got runaway government spending. Trust in Washington is completely eroded. When government is this dysfunctional, you got to change the course of the country. You know you have to. That's why I'm excited about the work Americans for Prosperity is doing. They're focused on policy solutions that actually improve people's lives, unlike so many in D.C. who just want to play political football and have power. Americans for Prosperity doesn't just come up with solutions. They act on those solutions. They have the largest network of community activists in the country. They are out there every day talking to millions of their fellow Americans. If you're interested in seeing how you can get started with Americans for Prosperity in your community, visit americansforprosperity.org slash Eric today. That's americansforprosperity.org slash Eric, E-R-I-C-K. Welcome, welcome. It is Eric Erickson here. The phone number 877-973-7425 waiting really patiently on the phone. I got to give it to him. He's been very patient. Marshall, I'm sorry it's taken so long to get to you. How are you? Oh, I'm doing really well. I I, I really uh, appreciate you sharing your passion with us. <clears throat> it's uh, it's refreshing, and it's uh, and you're so have so much great information to share. It's it's uh, who has time to go and study all this and figure it out? And you put it you you encapsulate it and, Listen, and share I, it. It's I great. sacrifice sleep and a life for you guys. <laughs> well, thanks. I, I really appreciate that. Um, my my question is a little late, and you started touching on it, but. Um, it's an outline. So we've got the Trump factor. It's just here. And what it represents, if you take his name out of it, it represents a discontent across the board by a lot of people. And unfortunately, the message got lost because the messenger was sloppy. So how do you go about what would you do if you were the strategist for the Republican Party that says we have to push forward, like you said, but we need to not ostracize the Trump people we need to embrace the ideas without embracing the man. Yeah, you, you know, so, look, that's such a good question. Uh, and I get asked this a lot. And that's kind of why I keep bringing up DeSantis, because when you look at the data, he's like their second favorite guy out there. Right. And there, you've got a, a you've got a class of Republicans who don't like Trump, like the Paul Ryans of the world, for example. 
Uh, they don't really like Trump, but they understand they lost to Trump. And the way forward for the GOP is to embrace parts of Trumpism without embracing Trump. And so they're willing to compromise and say, you know, we could do DeSantis. Uh, so specifically in a, in a strategy, well, would you I see some things that happen that seem to be that seem to be a way of like a method of dealing with Trump. So you've got DeSantis who got attacked. He just blew it off. He just right. he's like the kid in the back of the room waving his arm. He's going that we're not going to call on you. And the same thing with no, no, uh, who was it that did not uh, recognize him after her win? Um, you know, uh, on it, stage. it was J.D. Vance didn't, didn't think. Yeah. Him. Yeah. So maybe that's maybe those are the steps you keep. He keeps barking and you just let the dog bark, you know, but you you understand what it is and what he represented. And you remember those good old days. Hey, yeah. this is stuff. People are serious about that. Let's take the seriousness and move on from the man because he's just, you know, he just he's, he's like a he's like a bouncer in charge. You know, stop breaking stuff. And that's kind of what's going on. Yeah, yeah you know. So I'm glad you said this. And first, again, I, I'm I thank you first for staying on. I know you were on the phone for like 45 minutes, and I'm sorry it took so long to get to you. But but two, no I really appreciate your comments. They're really insightful and helpful. I I want to spend time on this when we come back in large part because I think there's a path forward for Republicans if they pay attention not to what DeSantis did in Florida, but to what Brian Kemp did in Georgia, who was hounded and attacked relentlessly by Donald Trump and his surrogates for two years, ignored them all, and crushed Stacey Abrams from a one-point victory in 2018 to an 8.7%, I think it'll ultimately be, percent victory in 2022. There's a path forward. So thank you very much for the phone call uh, and for being patient with me. When I come back, I do want to talk about that. And I'm happy to keep taking your phone calls, folks. 877-973-7425. Real quick, though, if you will text Eric, E-R-I-C-K, to 33777, text Eric to 33771. Don't forget about my 24-7 live stream. I actually had a guy who complained the other day. We we have a um, – our podcast loads based on the ability of uh, my producer to be able to get it up online. No euphemism puns intended there. But uh, he's got he's to load it. And if you want to just get the 24-7 live stream, it really repeats my program from 3 p.m. The moment I'm off the air, it starts, and it rolls until noon the next day uh, where the show starts again fresh. You text the word ERIC, the 33777. You get the podcast link. You can get the 24-7 live stream link. You can subscribe to my show notes. You can get my Instagram feed, my YouTube, my Facebook, all of that, Rumble. We will be posting some videos. I actually brought my camera with me to the studio today. I'm still in Atlanta. And I'm gonna um, I'm gonna record some videos this afternoon with Philip uh, and try to post them online so you get some more additional content too. I want to talk about the Brian Kemp race in Georgia from last night because Abbott in Texas and DeSantis in Florida somewhat dominate the conversation. Abbott because it was Beto O'Rourke, DeSantis because it was DeSantis and his margin of victory. But really the path forward, I think, for a guy like DeSantis or even a guy like Abbott, there's a rumor in Texas now that he may want to run for president. Brian Kemp actually has the model 
for the future of the Republican Party that we should talk about. The holidays are the most exciting time of the year. And if you want to enjoy them to the fullest, you need to get the best night's sleep every single night. It's easier than it sounds. All you need are the softest, most luxurious organic cotton sheets from Bolin Branch. They're made from the finest 100% organic cotton threads on earth. They make a difference you can truly feel night after night. I have to tell you, someone who sleeps on them every night, the more you wash them, the softer they get. And, you know, we've got a very thick mattress, and they actually fit the mattress. The the fitted sheet fits our mattress. It doesn't snap off because of the thickness of the mattress, and it doesn't shrink up either, which is great. Bolin Branch products are made different. You get a great night's sleep, and every time you wash them, you get an even better sleep under even softer sheets. Their signature sheets even come wrapped and are ready in a beautiful holiday gift box. Your gift will look and feel great. It's the unboxing experience they'll never forget. Give the gift of a better night's sleep with Bolin Branch right now. You get early access to their Black Friday sale with my promo code. Get 25% off your first set of sheets and free shipping when you use promo code ERIC, E-R-I-C-K, at BolinBranch.com. That's BolinBranch, B-O-L-L-A-N-D, Branch.com. The promo code is ERIC. The offer ends November 27th. Hello there. It is Eric Erickson here. The phone number is 877 877- 973-7425 if you want to be on the program. Uh, I want to go to Lewis. You're going to be up next. Welcome, Lewis. How are you? Doing good, Eric. Um, I just got to say it's time to move along from Trump. Uh, the only thing I can tell Trump right now is you're fired because you're creating a problem for everybody. We get it. Your Your, your ideas were great. Uh, but it's time to move along, and I think we need to get back to people that can, uh, you know, move way away from Biden because, obvious, uh, that's not going to work. And, uh, you know, you can't tell me that there aren't other people out there that have better leadership skills like two businessmen, uh, Trump and uh, Purdue, who can't move along and, and – and, move things forward in a positive direction instead of staying there in the rain and not, you know, realize, oh, there's an umbrella over here, we can get under it. I mean, that's really surprising that they didn't know that they could move along. And, um, you know, he got he got the good old boy on his side, and that's rare. And I'm the good old boy. I'm the white guy who drives the pickup truck. I'm, I'm a layman. If you can get those guys on your side, there's got to be somebody else out there that can do the same thing who doesn't have to be funded by, you know, special interest money. Yeah, you're right. And what I find very interesting is when you look at a lot of these guys, whether, you know, Lee Zeldin didn't win in New York, but Zeldin came closer than any Republican since 1994, and he didn't do it by – wrapping himself around Trump. That certainly helped him get the Republican nomination. But then he was his own man and he ran. And there's a pattern around the country of people running as their own man or their own woman. Uh, Kim Reynolds in Iowa is a great example of this. Christy Nome in South Dakota ran on themselves and who they are and what they stood for. And they kind of bypassed and ignored Trump. The model for this is Brian Kemp in Georgia. I want to set the stage for all of you nationally. I, I realize I'm, I'm somewhat biased because he is a friend and I live here and I don't think he gets enough attention in large part because he's not a 2024 contender. Uh, spare me your phone calls on that. Uh, he will not run for president in 2024. He has no desire to do so. 
Maybe that will change. I doubt it. The only time I've ever been cussed out by the man is when I suggested it. Here's the thing. This, In all seriousness, Donald Trump came for Brian Kemp in a way Donald Trump came for no other candidate. He poured more money into beating Brian Kemp than any other candidate, including Liz Cheney. He worked with others to try to find a slate of candidates in Georgia to beat all of the Republicans who he thought undermined his election uh, theft claims. From Chris Carr, the attorney general who just got reelected, to Brad Raffensperger, the secretary of state, who got a higher proportion of Democratic voters on his side than any other Republican. What Brian Kemp did was smart. He ran on his record. He ran on what he wanted to do for the future. And he ignored Donald Trump. He never attacked Trump's supporters. When asked by the media what he thought of attacks from Donald Trump, he never got angry. He deflected and went back to his record. And it really worked. Governor Donald Trump says that Stacey Abrams would be a better governor than you. What do you think? Well, Stacey Abrams wanted us to lock back down the state and have mandatory masks in the whole state. I opened the state up, and I know he disagreed with that as well. But economically, it's paid dividends. Our state now has the lowest unemployment rate in the country and the highest amount of excess revenue in the Treasury. Our state's open for business. It's been very good for the people. And I put the small businesses and small businessmen and women in Georgia ahead of anything anyone else says, including the former president. Last night in his victory speech, Kemp said that uh, he listened not to the media and not to presidents. He listened to the people of Georgia, hardworking Georgians. And it worked. It absolutely worked. I've been mentioning a lot in the last couple of weeks the theory of the election. And the Republican theory of the election, I still think, held up more than the Democrats, looking at how things are coming through still. Uh, it really is inflation in the economy. Where they missed it, however, and where they couldn't, uh, where, they, where they had to deal with it in ways that they couldn't, was that voters really are concerned about the economy. They really are concerned about inflation, but they still, to this point, believe the GOP to be a little bit unstable. They don't want election deniers. They want truth tellers. They want someone who can handle the economy, and they're not sure that someone who believes the election was stolen can do it. And you may believe the election was stolen, but a majority of independent voters reject that idea and so therefore are rejecting candidates who believe it. It's a real problem for the Republicans moving forward if they can't move beyond the 2020 election. Brian Kemp did. And it genuinely, truly mattered It actually mattered significantly. It mattered because Brian Kemp could run on what he wanted and not alienate Trump supporters. He wasn't he he didn't hurl invective at Trump voters. He didn't attack them for backing Trump and not him. He worked significantly. And the result 
is he won and did better than he did in 2018 against Abrams. The same person, the same two people running again. It mattered a lot that he chose to do it that way, to not be angry, to not attack, to not go after Trump or his voters, but to ignore him. That really actually was a a, a big deal, and it's a path forward for other candidates, including DeSantis, who may want to run in 2024 and want to be able to steer around Donald Trump. That sort of stuff does matter. Back to the phones, 877-973-7425. Tim, you're going to be up next on The Eric Erickson Show. Welcome. Hey, how you doing, Eric? Good. Quick question. Um, about I was reading a lot of data online about the Gen Z turnout, um, specifically like that 18 to 29 age range that you know, I was seeing some data that was showing it turned out for like plus 28 for the Democrat side. Did that... I mean, obviously, overall as a nation, did that I mean, could that affect it a lot? Is something that the GOP didn't pay attention to, or how much could that affect it? Like with the difference between Kemp last night versus that's a great question. Race. Um, so yeah, Gen Z voted and tended to vote Democrat, which younger voters always do. They just didn't vote in measurably significant proportions. Like older voters, overwhelmingly, like fifty and older voted way more than uh, 29 and younger. And so 29 and younger tend to always vote left. Over time, they become more conservative. They actually do, over time, become more conservative. But Gen Z does vote Democrat. And Republicans do need to find a way to persuade them. Now, here's the interesting nugget. If you look at Gen Z and you break it down by age group, the youngest members of Gen Z who are starting to vote are more conservative than the older members of Gen Z. They're reacting to the excesses of their older peers, cultural excesses. Uh, There's more and more data showing the very youngest members of Gen Z who are coming into the voting class are actually to the right of those who are exiting or into their 30s. It's, it's kind of some fascinating dynamic. Like my kids, I, I got a 17-year-old and a 13-year-old. They hate group work. I mean, I always hated group work too. Don't like group work. Um, and it's actually a, a generational shift that's happening where we're back to the individualistic voters or the individualistic students who hate to work in groups. They want to do it all themselves. And that's kind of showing a shift back to the right for people that age group. They're always going to be more cons- liberal than people my age, but they're already beginning the shift out of full hardcore progressivism uh, in the 18 to 21-year-olds. Jackie, you're going to be up next on The Eric Erickson Show. Welcome. Thank you. I was just calling. I'm a small business owner in Georgia. I own a hair salon and spa. And I'm going to tell you what most of our clients, um, what my employees are saying and why we voted for Kemp and why a lot of us were kind of upset with Trump and how he threw Georgia kind of under the bus. We love Kemp. We love our governor. We opened first during the pandemic. Hair salons suffered big time. Um, And Trump praised DeSantis, but when Kemp did the exact same thing, he threw him under the bus and it all started with the Leffler Collins saying, I firmly believe that he was kind of butthurt because Kemp didn't back Collins. And he just kind of left Georgia out to dry. 
And all of our clients, even employees, are saying the same thing. If Trump runs again, I don't think we'll vote for him. Yeah, I, I look, I'm getting that a lot today, and I realize part of this is is the emotion after, but this this feels very different from the day yeah. after January 6th. The day after January 6th, there was a lot of national antagonism about Donald Trump, but there wasn't at the grassroots level, and there appears to right. be now, and a lot of it, Jackie, is because of the kind of the, the well, the anger about the outcome of de- attacking DeSantis two days before the election. But not just attacking DeSantis, also picking so many bad candidates, helping them get through primaries, refusing to fund them, and then watching them lose and blaming them, blaming everyone but himself. That's kind of the the concern that so many people have, so many people are concerned with, and I suspect um, we're going to see something we haven't seen in the past – we're going to see an actual shift outside of the pundit class. And there will always be those who refuse to abandon Trump, and I know that. I'm getting hate mail from them right now. But I get the sense they're in a smaller and smaller minority, and most of them are like a Twitter phenomenon, an online Twitter phenomenon, and they gravitate towards, I guess, the the, the cult of Trump to some degree. And I don't know that they've got a lot of staying power over the next two years as I think a lot of Republicans begin their gravitational pull towards DeSantis. Or towards someone else. It'll be interesting to see how this shapes up. Um, I, and again, I, I keep bringing up DeSantis not because I support the guy or or he would be my guy, but because it makes a lot of sense nationally given what he did in Florida, given the amount of Electoral College votes there, and given the way the donors, the small-dollar donors, I think, are even heading to DeSantis. We will see. Uh, we will see. But I think moving forward, as Trump opens fire on DeSantis— uh, the Kemp path of ignoring it all and relying on his record works. You know, one of the groups out there that actually played a big role last night in getting uh, an underappreciated story told, that is a massive amount of parental takeovers of school boards in the country, conservative parents taking over school boards. That happened last night. It's fallen under the radar. It's not getting a lot of coverage, but it happened. And one of the groups that helped do it is Patriot Mobile. Patriot Mobile is a cell phone company. And you can take your business to them. You get guaranteed great service. They use the same towers everybody else uses, so you don't have to worry about your service. They've got detailed coverage maps, so you can go see, do I get 5G in my area? Do I get voice? Do I get data? You can check it out at patriotmobile.com Eric. You get free activation with my name. Then they give a portion of their profits to the conservative causes you care about, whether it's fighting the wokes on school boards or uh, the First Amendment, the Second Amendment, the pro-life crowd. They stand for those things. They stand for your values. They're Christian conservatives. You can also call them. They have 100% U.S.-based customer service. You don't have to worry. You're not talking to somebody in Mumbai. You're talking to somebody here in this country. You can call them at 972-PATRIOT and tell them I sent you. You get free activation with my name. You do. And you get discounts if you're a veteran, a first responder, an NRA member, a teacher, so many good discounts. You get them all at Patriot Mobile with that guaranteed great service. You can even take your existing cell phone number and port it over to Patriot Mobile. They make the process seamless and easy. PatriotMobile.com slash Eric. That's PatriotMobile.com slash E-R-I-C-K. Or call them 972-PATRIOT. Hello there. It is Eric Erickson here. This hour of the program is brought to you by First Liberty Building and Loan in Noonan, Georgia. But they help you nationwide, wherever you are. If you want your business to grow, reach out to them. They can help you if you're buying a building, building a building, getting a franchise, expanding a franchise. First Liberty, GA. 
Nevada.com. There is news out of Nevada right now. Uh, more votes are turning up for the GOP in Nevada. It is appearing more and more that Adam Laxalt will go to the U.S. Senate, which means the control of the Senate really will come down to Georgia. It will either be uh, 50-50 or 51-49 if Laxalt pulls it out uh, in Nevada. Um, the Republicans in Arizona continue to believe that Kerry Lake will win and that there is a small path to victory for Blake Masters, much smaller than Kerry Lake's. We will see. There's still a lot of vote left. Now, I, I will get into your phone calls in the next hour. I really will. Uh, so you can call. we got phone lines open, uh, 877-973-7425. But I need to answer a question that keeps coming up. Why can other places count so quickly and we can't? There are a lot of reasons, but chief among them is a lot of nations have a unified voting process and a federal or a national election commission. Brazil, for example, was able to get its entire vote calculated in less than 24 hours. But it's also controlled by the national government. Do you as a conservative want Joe Biden's Justice Department overseeing the vote in your state? Do you, as a Democrat, want Donald Trump's Justice Department overseeing the vote in your state? No, you do not. Our founders in a genius system decided that the states were sovereign entities ceding limited sovereignty to Washington, D.C., and anything not ceded to Washington was a state power, including running elections. So there are 50-plus, 50 57 actually, when you take into account all the territories, 50 state and 50 operations for elections, and in some states, Pennsylvania's being one of them, each county gets to pick its election system. So there are uniform standards, but the counties get to pick their equipment. How do they want to do it? Do they want a paper ballot? Do they want an electronic ballot? What do they do? It makes it very hard at a national level to try to steal an election. At a micro level in a city in a small race with low turnout, yeah, it's possible, but very hard to hanky-panky a national election because you've also, for example, for the president, got the Electoral College. you got to figure out which states do I do this in. And so some states in this country, like Florida, have gone through election problems in the past. Florida went through the 2000 presidential election. And because Florida went through the 2000 presidential election, it knew it had major problems and needed to revise how it did elections and became the expert in doing a massive election very quickly. Some states, like Pennsylvania, allow every county to decide whether or not it wants to use electronic voting equipment and then which electronic voting machines it wants to use and then prohibits any tabulation of absentee and early votes until after everything else is counted. In some states, you can't even touch the absentee ballots until every other vote is counted, which drags the process out. California is one of the worst when it comes to that. And these are state-level problems that have historically had problems that drag it out. California, we probably will not know all the winners in California for another week or two because of how slowly California votes. It can be taken advantage of, yes, but it is not designed to be taken advantage of. It's a flawed, archaic system that has been around forever, and no one can agree how to change it. But instead of lamenting that we don't know our election results overnight, the entire nation through, 
you should be thankful that we have 50 states with 50 systems. That makes it much, much harder for any hanky-panky to happen at a national scale. And you got to trust the states. And if you can't, you need to work like hell in your state to reform it in a way that makes it trustworthy. 